Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. I got nothing. You got you got. N- <laughs> I got nothing. Man. No, no intro gag today, huh? No, I'm I'm like floored. Well, let's just uh, jump right into it. The year was 1985. We were in the midst of the age of greed. Uh, people were still fearing either being annihilated in a nuclear attack by Russia. Or taken over economically by Japan. DC Comics had a problem. What were they going to do with this fuck ton of characters and really screwed up universe that they had created for themselves? Now, if I were on the editorial staff, I would have said absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because... Continuities for suckers! Exactly. And this book proves it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, even so, DC wasn't even trying to go for continuity like Marvel was. Anytime anything deviated from continuity, it just became a parallel universe in which it happened. Yeah, but why even bother with that? Why do you need to have that much structure in your fucking comic books? Why, why do they have to have, like, internal continuity? There's absolutely no reason. How tight do you really need it all to be? Does it... I mean, because... If, if what I understand is correct, they had to write the ship a few years after this was made because they like went and fucked up continuity again. So like really, right. why put all this time and effort into like making sure continuity is on is on point? Right now, it's, it's now it or was like, that or was that the business side of the pitch? Since since it didn't actually work. Crisis on Infinite Earths is the topic today. Sorry. And (laughs) in case you haven't figured out, this is a two-part episode. We're doing the main storyline of Crisis on Infinite Earths from the comics back in 1985. And then we'll be covering the CW's adaptation of it. Crisis on Infinite Earths was probably one of the one of the earliest and possibly one of the largest of the company-wide crossovers that has become kind of dominant in storytelling think, over the in the 21st century. I think it was the first to have consequences outside of its own story arc. Right. Um, I, DC had been doing like little mini crisis things throughout their history mm. like you know little story arcs nothing huge right crisis on two earths and things like that right they they once again this crisis is all barry allen's fault uh, <laughs> it is that's why i'm wearing my flash shirt yeah uh because the the multiverse in dc comics began in flash uh we talked about it when uh, a couple years ago when we did our the flash, flash of episode. two earths mm-hmm. one of the greatest stories ever written in the history of comics right right and so DC over the years had done a bunch of JLA, JSA uh, crossovers as well. And the JSA characters, Jay Garrick, Our Man, Wildcat, all of these characters from that time period. Cal L with just an L. Right, Cal L with, with just an L because he's from Earth 2. Krypton, um, really. Right, right. But he is, he is technically the 1939 action comics number one superman right so earth two more or less was um the golden age comic books mm-hmm. um right. green lantern the original green alan lantern. scott alan scott 
and what and whatever they ended up doing with that. And you had like long convoluted things where uh, Batman marries Catwoman and they have kids and then their kids become uh, Batman and Robin. You know, Dick Grayson becomes Batman and Bruce Wayne Jr. becomes Robin. And he's blonde mm-hmm. and they have twos on. <laughs> you have the right. bat symbol on their chest with a two. Right. <laughs> on and, it. And then and then uh Helena Wayne becomes the huntress. Right. All those Lois Lane like trying to figure out who the hell Superman is mm. stories, those are all Earth two. Right, right. And Crisis on Infinite Earths, I mean this is yeah, it was if you were trying to if you were one of those people, one of those suckers, as Steve calls you, who, who are right. trying to piece together a seamless continuity of what's going on in DC Comics, you couldn't. You were reading Marvel because right. at this at this point in their history, they had obtained the rights to the Charlton um, pantheon of heroes. So that's like Blue Beetle, Captain Adam, mm-hmm. um, and um, those guys who yeah, eventually the became question. the Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, um, they also had uh, t- obtained the rights to longtime Superman rival Captain Marvel, right. the Shazam Captain Marvel, not like the Marvel Captain yep. Marvel. By by getting uh, Fawcett Comics, and right? And so every in. time every time they acquired one of these companies, they just like shunted shunted them off to their own Earth. Yep, pretty much. Uh, the Fawcett so, Comics occupied Earth S. Um, you had uh, Earth 2, which was the Golden Age DC. I forget. I think Earth 4 was the Char- Charlton Heroes. Earth 3 was the Crime Syndicate. Earth 3 was the Crime Syndicate. You had Earth X, where they shunted off uh, uh, the Freedom Freedom Fighters. Right. Uh, which were that was uh, Golden Age. Yeah, Earth X was cool because um, World War II never ended. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you had uh, Nazis progressing into the modern day, and then you had... The freedom fighters, superhumans who right. fought against them, including the spirit of America. Yes. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, I always thought was kind of a cool character. Uncle Sam is kind of like the nerdy Captain America. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, I, I, and and the CW used um, this Earth, Earth X, in uh, the, not the last crossover, but the crossover before, well, no, it was the last one. No, no crossover no. before last. Right, crossover before last. So, the <laughs> Crisis this year, uh, Elseworlds was last year, and then cri- Crisis on right. Earth X. Right. Uh, which, you know, they adapted to feature the main Arrowverse characters as evil Nazi versions of themselves, with the exception of the Flash. Right. Who was just Eobard Thawne. Uh, so DC decided Wolfman and Perez, the guys yes. responsible well, for the new, new Teen Titans. Well, Marv Wolfman actually pitched the idea, mm-hmm. um, and you're probably right. He probably because uh, apparently, according to the intro in my copy of it, this is like his childhood dream is to have a company wide crossover with every superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and the villain was called the Librarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he. I think the monitor was definitely an upgrade. <laughs> um, so he pitches it, and you're probably right that it is the the business end of his pitch was like, well, and you can fix your continuity as well. Mm-hmm. Right, you can you can sort and, of fix. We can straighten out this this whole multiverse thing by eliminating a lot of these Earths. We'll what we'll do is we'll have an event where the entire multiverse is being destroyed, and by the end of it, we'll have one. DC Comics Earth. 
Right. And I think that's probably what sold it. Not because the continuity was convoluted, but because they were getting beat out by Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, like just getting their asses kicked. Right. Um, and Marvel had rock stars basically at this point in, in time doing their books. Right. Um, Claremont, uh, they had, uh, what's his name? McFarlane, mm-hmm. uh, like basically image right. <laughs> was working for Marvel at this point in time. Right. Right. Uh, this, you still had like the number one selling comics were like Spider-Man, the yeah, X-Men is, comics. They were getting their ass handed to Mm-hmm. This is before Vertigo, before you brought in all those guys from um, Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, DC was floundering, and they needed something to do. And, and what else can you do to sell comic books but spectacle? So they promised they were going to kill off a bunch of characters. Right. And and they did. Yeah, they killed off two two major characters. Well, well one major well, character in the... They killed off, like, a bunch of, like, kind of major characters... Um, I mean, this is 30 years old, so we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Right. Basically, the whole Batman um, family mm-hmm. from Earth 2 dies. Right. <laughs> right. They, that's gone. Um, so, so what happens is, basically to give you the plot synopsis, a cosmic being called the Monitor uh, has recruited... C and D list characters to save the multiverse, <laughs> but that's always a case, right? Adam Warlock, right? <laughs> but well, Spider Man is the A list character. He was part of uh, he was part of Infinity Gauntlet and whatnot. But well, yeah, no, I mean the, the heroes that end up like going going at it are the A listers eventually. Mm-hmm. Eventually, but the whole story starts getting uh, well. Infinity Gauntlet. Affinity Gauntlet started pieced together in Silver Surfer, which nobody right. was reading. So, right. well, yeah the the actual Crisis storyline is something like thirty books because yeah. his story arcs spin out of the main Crisis story and into their respective book. But we're focusing mainly on the the twelve issue maxi series, yeah, uh, which bled over from nineteen eighty five into nineteen eighty six. Right, so they, they start off this monitor guy. They they actually kind of did it cleverly. Um, like a year or two before they were set to actually tell Crisis, they introduced these characters in other books, mm-hmm. just like one or two times. Right. Nothing big, never showing faces, just kind of a name, like a whisper campaign almost. Right, right. They set up the monitor as being like a superhuman arms dealer. Yeah. And he was selling weapons to supervillains and whatnot. Much like the way they did on Arrow and Elseworlds, where this is a test yes. of your abilities, you know, because the Monitor uh, is ha- knows this is coming, this <laughs> right. crisis is coming, and he's been pulling strings and manipulating events so to enact some sort of master plan to prevent the crisis. Uh, whether or not uh, what actually occurs in the book is actually the Monitor's plan. We don't know. <laughs> um, it's kind of implied that to a point it is. Right. 
but but it kind of it kind of goes off the rails a couple times. It does spiral out of control a little bit unnecessarily. And my my main complaint, well, we'll talk about my complaints later on, but they happen later on in the um in the book. Right, because there are a couple of filler issues in this book that yeah. can, that are a completely different plot that could have been done elsewhere. Yes. And didn't really do much. Uh, so the Monitor recruits these heroes. He recruits heroes like uh, Cyborg, who was pretty new to the comics. A lot of new characters. Firestorm. Firestorm. Uh, Obsidian. Uh, who else was in there? Arion of Atlantis. Yeah. Arion. Yeah. <laughs> See, I mean... <laughs> Sorry. The dark-haired sorcerer from Atlantis. Yeah. Uh, and characters like characters in that vein, um, Doctor Polaris, <laughs> yes, Simon, Simon, yeah, who actually came fairly, you know, prominent in um, Young Justice later on, right? Way uh, later on, Dawn Star from the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, yeah, who, just... who else did we have in that in that initial grouping of heroes? Um. He'll just look. He'll look at the big splash page. I'll just look at the big splash page. You really want to know? Yeah. Psycho Pirate, Firebrand, Simon, Blue Beetle, Solavar, Geoforce, Firestorm, Killer Frost, Superman from Earth Two, Arion, Doctor Polaris, Obsidian, Cyborg, Dawnstar, and Green Lantern. And that would be. John Stewart. It's like, okay, the only two really useful characters, it seems to me, in that room, or, well, three, would probably be Firestorm, Earth 2 Superman, and John Stewart. Yeah. And, and I mean, Psycho Pirate. <laughs> well, Psycho Pirate ends up having um, a huge role right. in the thing, which right. is weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely like the the okay. You have not intrigued me yet, right? League of like, superheroes, right? It's not even it's not even the Legends of Tomorrow. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like the Legends of Tomorrow's uh, C team. But some of those guys show up, right? Yeah, and so the monitor's like, okay, I've got this plan. I'm going to disperse you across time and space, which really ended up being time. Um, to maintain these machines that I know are going to be attacked by my enemy. And that's that's all we know about the actual force when it comes into the first couple of issues. Right, and we know he has his own super-powered help. Right. That right. he's brought along, um, which are Harbinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Pariah. Pariah. Well, Pariah's Pariah. We meet a little bit later, and he's kind of probably one of the more interesting. Well, Pariah ones. like shows up right off the bat on Earth when they open up on Earth three, mm-hmm. but you don't quite know what he's all about. And that's the thing is you don't know what what uh, these new characters are all about. Right. All uh, you know is like, they're like Pariah Deuce. is doomed to like travel to different Earths as they end. It's just a bear witness, and Harbinger uh, is tasked with gathering and mustering of forces. She can multiply herself or send out clones of herself. 
Right. Kind of like. Yeah, throughout space and time and return with something. The grouping of or initial grouping of heroes are spread out across time. We have a group that's sent to um, the far, far past where we meet. Oh, sorry, the far, far future. And we meet Kamandi. Kamandi, right. And and the other thing is they what they wanted to do is they wanted to have at least a cameo appearance of everyone. Right. Uh, we have characters sent back to the Old West, so we get a lot of the um, Old West heroes. Right. We have a group sent back to uh, World War II, so we yeah, get, so get Sergeant Rock and the Haunted Easy Tank. Easy Company, yeah, the Haunted Tank. And the Losers, and then, uh, yeah, then there's a fourth group that gets sent uh, way back into the past, I believe. Yeah, so, um, but I think there's dinosaurs involved. Right. <laughs> And, and it's just is is complete insanity what is going on here. It's it's a little confusing, right? Um, to be honest with you, because they kind of just like ease you in to what's going on, but not enough so you know what's so not enough so you can follow it, right? And because there's four different focuses, four different plot lines, so to speak, happening, and they go back and forth between all of them. Right. Uh, it gets a little jumbled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we oh, there's also a team that's sent to uh, modern Earth. Right. So we have these teams spread out across time uh, on Earth One. Uh, the modern day Earth is when we start getting the mainline superheroes involved. Uh, Teen Titans are big. Batman, uh, Superman shows up. The Outsiders. Um, Infinity Incorporated, I believe, show up a little bit. Um, one of the, the the other thing that's going on throughout all this is you see like snippets of worlds dying mm-hmm. by a wave of antimatter that is sweeping through the different universes. Mm-hmm. Right, and and there's hints of um, this this mysterious enemy. Right throughout, and. These monsters are also attacking these towers, and you're jumping around to all sorts of different places, and they're trying to squeeze in as many characters as possible. Uh, John Constantine appears in one panel. Yeah, complains about Swamp Thing. (laughs) Right. Complains about Swamp Thing, and that's it. He's done. Well, I mean, it was 1985. Right. It was 1985. This was... uh, just prior to Hellblazer, he was in. He was included in this because of Alan Moore's run on the saga. Of yes, because because they hadn't like recruited the brash young um, Britons to write Vertigo. Yet. Right. Uh, yeah, and he is like just that in particular incarnation is not as impressive. the The green suit is just no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have constant appearances by, uh, Jay Garrick is a huge character in this. Yeah. In this Jay, Alan Scott. Right. His, his prominence. Which are a couple of your favorite characters. Yes. Um, character wise, I'm not complaining that my favorite characters weren't, weren't utilized because they were, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, all the flashes were there, you know, a shit ton of green lanterns. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out how Guy Gardner became a regular Green Lantern. Yep. Um, so it it starts out kind of awkward. 
Mm-hmm. But interesting enough that you, you you don't want to put it down. Right, right. Because you got to like, okay, where is all of this? Where is this mess going? And it starts finally congealing into a, a, a plot where the monitor has been created. And at the same time, the monitor created was created. His opponent in the antimatter universe uh, was also created. And they've been working at odds. We have a His opponent is the anti-monitor. Yeah, wow. Good thing he wasn't the librarian. Right. Now, I like this because it uses mythology that was established in Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, a, uh, before they were the Guardians. Right. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy were a race of, of humanoid supermen, basically. Mm-hmm. That um, they were scientists and blah, blah, blah. One of them, Krona. Um, decided he was going to break the biggest taboo of all and look towards the beginning of time. See what happens at the beginning of time, which is forbidden because it said that like horrible things would happen, but he's a scientist and he doesn't have time for superstition. And uh, what he ends up seeing is this hand reaching out of a spiral galaxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe according to the story, it's his own hand, right? Um... Like... The Larry Niven, is it Larry Niven's, is it Larry Niven's story? Was it Krona's own hand? I thought it was. But anyway, I mean, you know, the implication is, is that the hand that you see is the quote unquote one above all. He ends up, it ends up, he creates some weird time feedback Mm -hmm. and the multiverse is created because of this. Right. And the sum of its parts was definitely stronger than the disparate um, universes that were the result. Mm-hmm. But the side effect of creating the multiverse is also the creation of the monitor and the anti-monitor. Right. Right. Which seems kind of unfair because you have a zillion positive matter universes and only one monitor. Mm-hmm. And you have like one anti anti matter universe and one anti monitor it seems like it's like kind of like uh the senate well yeah it's like <laughs> earth, the, earth. anti matter has better representation right than than matter in this whole affair right well yeah the antimatter universe was supposed to be more powerful because there's only one of them it's not an antimatter multiverse yes um so the 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 shtick is is that the monitors were were was born on uh, the moon of Oa. Oa, and when it split off into the multiverse, did not make an. In, there's not a crisis on infinite Oas. No, uh, Oa is the the center of everything. Right, Oa is the center of the universe. Uh, Earth is the fulcrum it's, point of. Think the of it as uh, the dark tower. Yeah, and so Oa's only copy exists in the antimatter universe of the planet Quard. Which is where, <laughs> which is what happens when you take your finger on the keyboard and just go, Voop. right? <laughs> Quar. What, what should we call Oa? Ao, because that would be anti matter, right? That'd be the mirror image. No, let's call it. Oh, I'll just like, Voop. oh, it's Quard. <laughs> How about Quark? Right. It's that cluster of keys on the left, top right. left of the keyboard. We're gonna we're gonna call we're gonna call it Quart. No, that's too obvious. <laughs> 
Let's do something else. Okay. Uh, Q. What can we type simply with one hand? Uh, Further proof. Further proof that the bullpen in DC Comics in 1961 was high as shit. Yep. And the Anti-Monitor, of course, born on the moon of Quard. Uh, Quard is also the... uh, Where's the, the home of the Weaponeers? Yeah, home of the Weaponeers, the Thunderers. And it turns out that those guys, the anti Green Lanterns, are the shadow demons that have been attacking the structures. Right. And they are almost impossible to defeat. Not even They're the like strongest the orcs. heroes. They are the orcs of the DC universe. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're like Darkseid sitting back going, hmm, that's a very good idea. <laughs> I will use this. A faceless Actually, army. He literally is sitting back during this whole thing. They show him all but stroking a Persian cat. Right, and going, going yeah, I would yes. bide my time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so all the mainline heroes get involved, and Harbinger and the Monitor decide to have their big uh, info dump. Yeah, that that's rough. Where we get caught up on, you know, a hundred million years of DC history. Yeah. That that's like the middle of the of the thing, like issue five or six, and it's rough. Right. And it's a double sized issue. Right. <laughs> so it's, it, it was like, like the annual for that year, so yeah, yes, it's double sized. Like, oh, gotta get through it. Okay. Yeah, but see, the yeah, thing is, is the second yeah. half of that double-sized issue is one of the big events of the comic, and that is the death of Supergirl. Yes. That is the... Is that the first? Did Flash die before Supergirl? Nope. Flash dies two issues later. Yeah. So, like, Supergirl was actually a fairly popular character at the time. Mm-hmm. Um... And they killed her. Yeah. And nope, it wasn't no backsies either. Just yeah, and, up. and it it wasn't like a a shitty like let's let's uh rape take pictures and break the spine of Barbara Gordon no. kind of thing. It was like dramatic. Yeah, Supergirl went out like, like a boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did. Um and it it, you kind of feel it. I mean, when 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 Supergirl's Earth two, mm. just so we we all right. Uh, no, no it's Earth, Earth one. one. I'm sorry, Earth one. It's the um, uh, the the Power Zorro. Power Girl is Earth two. Right. Supergirl, more or less, or was right. Um, yeah, she she goes out. She goes down fighting. Mm-hmm. And she does what none of the other heroes were able to do alone, and that was fight the Anti-Monitor toe-to-toe. Yes. And he was not in a, in a weakened state or anything like that. She he was. Oh, she, she just snapped. Yeah, she snapped and did not hold anything back and went toe-to-toe, fisticuffs with the Anti-Monitor, who prior to that had been stomping on Superman. Yes. Well, he... Superman, <laughs> Superman opened the, he started, you know, he, 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 uh, loosened the, the top of the jar. He loosened the top. <laughs> of the, not really. 
not really. He was getting owned as soon as he went into that room. Him and the new Dr. Light. Yeah, that's the other thing. They they created a new Dr. Light. And I kind of like what they did because she starts out almost a villain mm-hmm. to continue on the Dr. Light tradition. Because they have both heroes and villains um, right. take place in, in this uh, fight. And uh, the monitor creates Dr. Light for a purpose that is unknown to everyone, including Dr. Light. And her story arc is one of the more interesting story arcs in in the book. Right. Uh, at, because you get her from birth to her becoming a hero mm. instead of someone who is a hero and an established hero. You know Superman's going to always do Superman stuff. Right. It's, it's not a random factor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what a lot of these characters are going to do. Right. But with with Dr. Light, it was a big question. And a lot of the plot hinged on what she was able, how she was, you know, put together. And she witnesses Supergirl doing this and just has an epiphany Mm -hmm. that there are things greater than her ego and herself. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they kind of, they kind of foreshadow that moment earlier uh, in in like issue one where she's talking to Batgirl and Barbara is really doubting herself that you know we were here the world seems to be at its end point and there's nothing I can do I'm just a chick in a costume right and look at you you know you are Supergirl and you know Supergirl flies off to go rescue this dude falling out of a plane or something like that as they yeah, the Batgirl's all, almost like why would you bother Right? Why are you bothering? Because and and Supergirl's like because that's what we do. Yeah. Take and, your existential angst and shove it up your ass. Right. Right. Very very Batman Superman kind of relationship going on there. Uh, <laughs> and so we see that we see that pay off when Supergirl is fighting the Anti Monitor and Doctor Light has her epiphany. Yeah. And and at toward the end of the fight. Dr. Light goes, Supergirl! And Supergirl turns her head, and that's it. And, right. and that's the end for her. So And she so, blames herself. Right, and she bl- ends up blaming herself for it. Um, we have Pariah, uh, who's a main character, and he kind of he is a catalyst for a couple of transformative arcs. Uh, the, the lady from... Lady Quark. Lady Quark, thank you. Uh, she she is taken by Pariah off of her Earth. That way he can, you know, if I can't save anyone, at least I'll save one. Right. Um, and she, because, because of Pariah's own way of telling this, he is cursed and doomed to be unable to die, yet be present at all of these world-ending events. Right. Well, it turns out that Pariah blames himself for the rise of the Anti-Monitor because he was also a, let's hear it, scientist. Mm. (laughs) Right. With an ego who um, was going to, uh, I forgot what his experiment was, but it was. Uh, He had had discovered the multiverse. Okay. He was, he's, he's kind of a reflection of. um, Of Krona. Of Krona. And right. he pretty so, much did the same exact thing. And ends up waking up the monitor and the anti-monitor. Mm-hmm. So he, he inadvertently 
is and destroys blames, his own world in the process. Right. And he blames himself. And because he blames himself, he's a pariah. Ha ha. Um, the way he tells the story to anyone who will listen is that it's uh, all which his is fault. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the most striking things is how they design uh, Pariah's character. He's he's. If you've seen the the first couple episodes of the television series, the, the costume is pretty close. Um, but he has this deep hood that he pulls up over his head and obscures all his features except it's his scared, like, shitless eyes. Crazy eyes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got crazy eyes. You're like, who is that? Oh, okay, right, it's Pariah. No, that's that Pariah guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, you never you never lose him in in any wide angle shots. No. Uh, and yeah, and that's pretty much for for the moment. You seem like his only superpower is crying. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, and and we, we neglected to mention that the the parallels of Alexander Luther. Yes. And Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ale- Alexander Luther is the son of the heroic Alexander Luther from Earth Three. The what like the only. The world, probably world's only superhero. Yeah. Uh, he sends his his uh, only child on a rocket through dimensions and ends up with the monitor. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of familiar. Yep. Yep. Very so, simple. It's actually cool that they that they did that. They didn't have to do it that way, but it was kind of cool that they did it that way. Mm. Like a nod to Superman's origin. Right, right. In in a, in an opposite kind of setting. Right. Which uh yeah, it turns out pretty good. And something happens to Alexander Luthor as he's traversing dimensions while Earth 3 is being destroyed, and that is, is that his body uh contains both positive and antimatter. Instead of instead of antimatter and matter, it's positive matter and antimatter. So apparently there is negative matter somewhere in the universe. Right. But uh, he becomes a a living gateway mm -hmm. um, to allow the the heroes to pass through to the antimatter universe. Right. And and Pariah realizes that he can use his his quote unquote curse as a way of tracking the anti-monitor as he is drawn to the anti-monitor wherever he goes. Meanwhile, the anti-monitor has been started to assemble his own heroes of sorts. Uh, he has kidnapped the Flash. Uh, he has also brought Oops. Psycho Pirate over to his side. And How uh, hard was that? Yeah, he just grabs him. He has Harbinger grab him because he also controls he one of corrupts. the aspects. That, right. That is actually kind of cool. So Harbinger has the ability to create doppelgangers of herself. And then eventually they all coalesce back into the original body. Mm -hmm. He is able to corrupt one of them. And that one in turn, when they all come back together, corrupts the rest of her. Right. And causes her to execute the monitor. Yeah. It's it's like a, uh, a computer virus more or less. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's very, very clever writing. Yeah, that was a good. That was a nice turn, uh, and she struggles with this. She's aware of it, uh, basically from issue one, 
because yes. uh, one of her, the corrupted doppelganger occurs like in the first six pages. Yeah, it's when she's gathering the different heroes. Uh, now, the, the weird thing is Monitor knows this. Mm-hmm. He knows this is happening, doesn't give a shit. He knows he's going to die. It's all part of the plan. Right. It's all part of the plan. He's seen he's seen seven billion four hundred and thirty six thousand versions of the future. <laughs> and, and really, the monitor really does have this both the characters. I mean, the scale you're dealing with in this comic is both characters seem nearly omniscient. Um, you know, they've but, been around for millennia. Well, but because they are connected, they are the polar opposites of each mm-hmm. other. And they're connected. As one grows stronger, the other one grows weaker. Right. Right. And this is occurring that the anti-monitor is growing stronger while the monitor grows weaker. And the anti-monitor's plan was that uh, when the monitor was killed by Harbinger, that he would absorb all of that power. And he would just be able to, like, snap his fingers and get his way. I guess this brings up the first... Um, complaint I have about this this series, mm. um, and it's pretty like goes the thread goes throughout the whole goddamn thing is that evil is ultimately stupid. <laughs> Good will triumph because evil is dumb. <laughs> that is more or less what happens every time. Like there's an evil scheme or something. It is. It lacks foresight of some sort. Anti monitor is going to absorb the positive power, but can't um, can't you know predict his opponent's moves the way the monitor can predict his moves. Right. Right. These these two uh, characters are literally playing nth dimensional chess with the universe. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically Harpo Marx and and uh, and. Uh, uh, Chico marks in the mirror with mm-hmm. each other, right? Or Groucho in the mirror with each other, right? right? They they like should be able to like go blow for blow, but they don't. And theoretically, as the anti-monitor grows stronger and absorbs this energy, he should also probably grow like wiser and and smarter. Right. But he doesn't. Um, but that's not the only time where this happens. Um, the villains, of course. Decide to betray right. the heroes. Wow. Who could have predicted that happening? And they also fall into the evil is stupid category. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't they can't for the life of them get it together and, and team up. Right. Um, the schemers, the people who are responsible, Luthor and, and Brainiac, um, just don't think ahead. They don't. They don't have contingencies for everything the way they think they do. No, they, they overlook they... that one stupid thing, and it's a stupid thing, right? And it, it's stupid because they end up getting uh, double crossed by Simon, mm-hmm. who figures out what they're going to do because he's a psychic, and uh, stays behind and catches them in the act, mm-hmm. and is basically going to like kill them and, and take over. And buys the entire universe, or the five Earths that remain at this point, actually buys them a few minutes by destroying Brainiac and forcing them to have to rebuild like, himself. Within, 
if Luthor and Brainiac are monitoring the whole fucking thing and doing basically doing a uh, a play by play coverage of this for for the audience, mm. right? right? He's on the fifty yard line. The pass is going. Um, don't you think they'd know where Simon is during all this or wonder where Simon is during all of this? No, they don't. No, but then it turns around a few pages later. I have known you were aboard my board me the entire time. And don't you think that that Simon would know that Brainiac's fucking ship is living metal and it's all part of him? Right. And Isn't that but see, but see, Brainiac doesn't actually reveal that to to Simon until after he's dead. Well, he reveals that to the audience. Right. I am revealing this <laughs> to the audience. Simon should know better. Simon should know better. Yeah. <laughs> if but... he's clever enough to like, you know, figure Luther and Brainiac out. And and, pe- and when the heroes, like the Z-list heroes that, that go into the ship later on. Right. Oh, yeah. Him, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, he's living metal, of course. Duh. Right, because they're all scientists, with, with the exception of Dolphin. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you get some real uh, deep cuts here. The Challengers of the Unknown show up. Uh, Rip Hunter uh, is drawn into it. I mean, they're, they're uh, some, some army Rip Hunter. Yeah, not not uh, not smarmy Rip Hunter that we actually really like, but uh, almost like racist Rip ge- Hunter, generic Rip Hunter, right? Not even the Rip Hunter from Fifty Two. <laughs> you get you get uh, just generic Silver Age Rip Hunter um, doing doing their things. You see Adam Strange, and that's the other thing. Uh, my other complaint is they had to get them all in there. I understand that's like kind of the thing, but did they have to like build like useless subplots around getting them all in there? Right. Like, did we really need the challengers of the unknown to have more than a cameo? No, not really. I mean, exactly. you really didn't need the challengers of the unknown. Your challengers of the un the challengers of the unknown took valuable screen time away from John Constantine. Uh probably. <laughs> probably. Took valuable screen time from Etrigan too, because well, he had more than two panels, yeah, <laughs> or more than one panel, more than one panel. John Constantine gets one panel. Um, the Challengers of the Unknown had a whole subplot, right, right, and Cave Carson, fucking Cave Carson, pivotal <laughs> event happens to him. John Constantine, they have an entire fucking short story arc where all the magical characters get together. You know who's not there. John Constantine. That's right. John Constantine. Um, so, yeah, at the beginning, the Spectre is having one of his, like, uh, tea dates with, with the Phantom Stranger as they were... <laughs> as, you know, Wrath of God, Judas, Judas, right. Wrath of God. Right. They they hung out together a lot for some reason. Um, Sorry I made you... I made you betray Jesus and everything and cursed you for the rest of your existence. That's nah, no big deal. I think I got the better deal out of it anyway. Um, yeah. Now that's the funny thing is you have all of the, you have these characters of the, the power level of the monitor and the anti-monitor, right? Dark side, uh, who, who is arguably one of the most powerful characters in the DC universe sitting back. Brainiac is arguably one of the most powerful characters in the DC universe. Uh, on the hero side, a couple of the most powerful characters are the Phantom Stranger and the Spectre. And they yeah. are on the sidelines through all of this. Until well, yeah. 
can't I, have like the big fucking guns like that go out and and just start blazing because you would have a story. Right. That's true. Spectre's like, no, we have to. I mean, that. why didn't Eternity like just like punch Thanos in the throat? Right. Why? Why did he wait till uh, he got the Infinity Gauntlet and then got wiped out of existence? Right. Because there's no story with that. So. Right. There's no. There's no drama. Um. But. But during the villain subplot, uh, the Spectre decides to get involved uh, because. <laughs> Because as we are going through the villain subplot, that is when they start like offing characters. Yeah. Uh, so you have so what ends up happening is they 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 quote unquote defeat the monitor. They stall his plans and think he's defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the worlds that are coming together, the five remaining worlds that are coming together, uh, stop. So they're like in this limbo, this hiatus where like parts of them overlap. Mm. Um, and the villains aside, they take the three weakest planets, <clears throat> the ones no one gives a shit about. Right. Earth X, and, Earth S, and Earth 4. Right. Take over off, off screen. Right. Three entire planets. Uh, okay. They're so like, so far, the supervillain plan is okay. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, uh, Pariah, Alexander Luthor, and Harbinger are addressing the United Nations of... Uh, Everything's great, man. Everything's cool. We did it. And then all of a sudden, holy shit, there's evil in the universe. I'm being taken away! Which is kind of lame, because I thought it was just anti-monitor evil in the universe, but whatever. Right. He's a plot device. I, I get it. Right. And and everybody's like, oh, what's happening? The and everybody else thinks that's the anti monitor too. That oh, right. the anti monitor's back. Then we get holographic Lex Luthor. It's and Lex all, Luthor. And he's like, and with and his motto should be, uh, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, because he had it all, man. He had it all. Three fucking universes to rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decides to blackmail the other two. <laughs> right. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And, and I love how he introduces himself. Good evening. I am Lex Luthor. Like, okay. Yeah, who, no shit. who doesn't know who fucking Lex Luthor is? Oh, by the way, before we get to this, Brainiac, once he assembles it, we also see Earth 2 Lex Luthor. So that, that golden age mad scientist Lex Luthor. With hair. With hair. Uh, almost looking kind of like uh, Popeye Doyle. Actually, th- this is one of my favorite parts of this this lame ass plot line. Right, and <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Hey, why does that Lex Luthor in charge? I'm the real deal. You know, I should. I have already decided, and you are right. There doesn't need to be more than one Lex Luthor. <laughs> Dust." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh shit, Brainiac ain't playing. Yeah, well, Brainiac never does, right? And and that that I always kind of enjoy is that Brainiac, out of all the people in the universe, there's only like two he considers his equal: Kal El and Lex Luthor. <laughs> yep. And Lex Luthor are probably more so because they team up a lot. They do. 
Well, they they were, you know, for a long time, the two most prominent Superman villains. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what did you think of that new Brainiac look? Wasn't that introduced in this? I don't know if right it was introduced before. in this series. It was still um, a fairly new look, though, for him. I think so. Like, it used to be like Green Luthor with uh, dials on his head. Right. Nodes on his head. Mm-hmm. And and that, then he got this, like, completely, like, skeletal. No, I think it, I think it looks good. I, I think, um, well, they used it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um wasn't that the one that they used in Justice League Unlimited? Um, when when Luthor was like freaking out, they used a a, a similar version. It, of yeah, it was, it was it was similar, but they did the same thing in that where the original Brainiac from Superman was kind of human like, right? Yeah, but he was a, he was a little bit more. He was Robot. drawn in that in that in that Tim and Dini style. You know, with the big shoulders and stuff. He looked kind of right. like a Mazo with three dials on his head. Yeah, and I, I, I like I, I think it makes Brainiac more uh less cartoony and more sinister. Right. To have him be like, you know, calculating cold calculating robot. Right. And just the, that over arc that he just decided just like that not human at all. Right. <laughs> right. Just the most vague of human form. Um, and so Pariah gets drawn into this. All the heroes, they split up once again into different teams to assault the different Earths. Well, that's the only way you can handle, I mean, these right. plot lines. You, right. There's too many characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the course of this book, now, I this is one of the... 86 this was when or 85 86 i think i got the got my copies you know handed down to me in like late 86 um and this this storyline really kind of uh filled me with a lot of respect for cal l l og superman yeah og superman because it seems like everybody respects that dude (laughs) yeah yeah you know, but you also have uh, the aging Wonder Woman of Earth too, and she kind of gets short shrift until the end. Yeah, um, they. Yeah, you know, really, of the, the the main heroes of DC that you think of, Superman is very prominent. Batman's kind of in the background too. Yeah, um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's in the background. The prominent ones. Are like the Flash, mm-hmm. and um, Alan Scott. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big Alan Scott was in the eighties, but I think there was a little bit of a resurgence because I think there was a new, there was another Justice Society series out at the time. Yeah, so uh, it's weird they they do make good use of a lot of of B and C listers in this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said. I'm not. I'm not very thrilled with the um, with this middle section of the villains united. Right. Um, but it does kind of set the the tone for every other crossover that happens in in either company from here on out. Right. Um, you have it's the same plot outline. Villains, something big, enormous happens. The villains and the superheroes have to team up to get her done. The villains betray the heroes. 
in the midst of all that infighting, the the uh, original threat comes back even stronger than before. Right. And the, the newly galvanized heroes can't, um, you know, can put an end to it. Right, right. And effectively, Brainiac and Luthor ca- cause an all-out superhero war uh, yes. across three Earths. And we see a lot of minor characters start dying off. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, yeah, you get a lot of characters that die, but really... Right, it's like most, Earth most 2, Hawkman, like, and, yeah. <laughs> you know... Uh, right. Shaggy Man and stuff like that. Like it was a lot of a lot of uh, house cleaning. Yeah, characters. chemo. Uh, yeah. You don't need two Robins. All right, get rid of two Robin. Yeah, let's uh, let's drop a fucking building on uh, Earth Two Robin and uh, Helena Wayne. Let's get right. rid of Hunters for now. Right. Uh, oh, and and uh, what was her name? Uh, the Crystal Girl. Oh yeah, who cares? Yeah, she was on the Teen Titans for a little while, and then they offed her too. She was right. she was like um uh, like a secondary character throughout most of the book, and then they just unceremoniously off panel. I mean, she did some like big things too. Yeah, yeah. Um, she encased like all the shadow demons in crystal, right? Like she did like some big things, but yeah, she, goodbye. Uh, she goodbye. encased Black Adam in crystal. Yes. And we never see it, but it's implied that uh, Robot Man decides to uh, shatter shatter him. <laughs> Even though Dove is like, no, no. Oh, they killed off Dove. Of they Hawk did and kill Dove. off Dove. So setting up for another incarnation of that team. For Girl Dove. Right. Who they used to great effect in Titans on yes. the DC Universe. Yeah. Dawn. Um... I I like how at the end. So what what ends after the whole like villain subplot thing is 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 taken care of? Who cares? Well, um, it's only taken care of because the specter decides to step in and says, "Y'all yeah. stop!" <laughs> you know, and he makes himself this like huge projection across five Earths. Couldn't have done this in the beginning there. No. And, uh, so. He, Had he, he to sit inform- back and wait. He informs you that the modern antimonitor is still around. He's gone to the dawn of time, and it's going to erase everything from there. Right. Which he probably should have done in the first place. Right. <laughs> Which should have, yeah, it should have been his original plan to change time from the beginning. And Meanwhile, his plan is actually kind of interesting because he's going to go back in time to the precise and wait until the precise moment Corona looks through his scope and be the hand that he sees. Yes, self-fulfilling prophecies all around. And when he does that, it will actually end up creating the antimatter universe and not um, anything else. Anything else. And so you do get that big splash page of um, of the Spectre laying into the antimonitor. Yeah, yeah, because and I kind of like the way they they formulated the plan. That was a good use of the characters. It was like, you know, okay, so we built this track, and we, what we need to do is go back in time. Who do we have that goes back in time? Well, we got Rip Hunter. We got a couple other guys. But you know what's really going to power this? The Flashes. We got Wally West. We got Jay Garrick. They're just going to run around in circles and create a time portal. Um, Meanwhile, Barry Allen is dead. Right. We Barry, didn't really Allen. Discuss this. Barry Allen died buying time mm-hmm. uh, for for the universe. Really, 
he saved everyone's bacon the first time around. Right. And the reason why the, the convergence of all the remaining positive matter universes was stopped was because Barry Allen did his runny thing around the edge of the thing and, and stopped the machine from working. Right. And Barry has been kind of like on his own the entire storyline. Well, now this comes off of Barry Allen um, being accused of killing the reverse Flash, going on trial for it, mm-hmm. and then being be, because Iris was missing. Right. Um, she ends up in the future, mm-hmm. and Barry Allen ends up following her into the future. So no one knows what happened to Barry Allen. I mean, you do if you read the Flash, you know right. what happens. But like the rest of the of the characters don't know what happens to him. Right. Right. The, he starts appearing randomly to people. Right. Help uh, me. Right. Barry Allen is missing is said almost as many times as I am here to bear witness. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but Barry Allen is the other big death, and he goes out like a champ. Yes, uh, and yeah, through the use of his of his speed, he runs in a counterclockwise fashion to he's, counter, and he knows he's going to die. And he does it anyway, right? And he just disintegrates, and it's one of the it's probably one of the most potent images in the entirety of the Crisis series is the death. Gotta of Barry love Allen. a. a Inch skull with Flash's cowl over it, right? Loose draped over it, right? And then it just disintegrates, and you just the costume, and then the ring slides off the finger. And right. ding, ding, so, ding. just a minor digression because you know I had to mention how the Flash goes out, right? You know, He's the fucking Flash, and he was actually Flash. the biggest death. Yes, it's his death that has more ramifications for everybody else than anybody, anybody yeah. else. That well, everyone, everyone loves the Flash, right? He's the bacon of superheroes. That's right. <clears throat> now, yeah, so Wally West and Jay Garrick are the remaining Flashes. They still don't know that Barry's dead. Um, yeah, no one does. Yeah, no one does. He died. Well, actually, at, at this point, they do know because they go, when they when they go and fight the Anti-Monitor. Um, nope, this is the, the final time they fight the Anti-Monitor is when they find out Barry Allen's dead. Okay. All right. They fight the monitor, anti-monitor three Fair times. Uh, the second time is the big one at the be- at the beginning of the universe. And they have this like massively complex plan to get all the superheroes to the beginning of time. And they load them up on pretty much any time ship, spaceship that's available. Uh, the speedsters, two speedsters run everybody. All the electrical Whoa. powered characters are like fueling this machine. The with their powers. best part of this plan is you have all the heroes, yeah, going back in time to fight the Anti Monitor, but they take all the villains and they send them to Oa to off Krona. Right. <laughs> I mean, basically, Superman is sanctioning an assassination attempt. Right. Right. <laughs> and who better to do it than than the villains? Uh, so yeah, Lex Luthor leads a team of villains to Oa to stop Krona. From looking in, while but the because go to the villains are stupid, right? They fail. Right, Krona fucking gets a drop on them. Yeah, because they're <laughs> arguing Krona. because they can't work together. They're arguing over who gets to destroy the machine. It's like just destroy the machine. And Krona's like, I ain't gonna let you destroy my machine. Get, get, get. Yeah, <laughs> three dead supervillains. Villains are dumb. It's it just it's 
it's not believable. But whatever. I mean, that's the trope. That's how that's how comics work. Right. I mean, that's like part of the DNA of comics is villains are dumb, but like this takes it to ridiculous levels. Right. This is beyond like Joker and Luther teaming up and and basically all but winning and then getting into a fist fight at the end. Right. Over who gets you know what? Who right. gets who gets to kill who, who, Superman? Who got to kill their their opposite one better? Who like did a better job? Well, it was my idea to use the kryptonite. Well, it was my idea to use the the pie trap. Yeah. Who cares? Just fucking kill him. I used the kryptonite on old Superman. I gave you the kryptonite. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. And and that's pretty much what happens. Krona gets the drop on the bad guys, so the thing opens up. Meanwhile, all the heroes unleash like everything they got on the on the anti-monitor who has grown so powerful he's just giant. And then all of a sudden he's, at this point he's a Gundam. Right. And he's, he's like, like a- He's, he's doing it. He's right, Robot. right there at the beginning of the universe, and he's like his. You see his hand. You see Chrono looking through his machine, and then the green gloved hand at the Spectre is just like, boom, catches it at right at that same moment. So that's what he sees is is the Anti Monitor's hand being battled with by the Spectre, and you see every magical character guys you haven't seen. In like 20, 30, 40 years present at this event, lending the Spectre as much magical power as they can Except muster. For Constantine. Except for John Constantine. Um, you know, you get Dr. Fate is there. Uh Dr. Fate has a fairly big role in this as well. Yes. Uh, Zatanna I wish I knew where that tower in Salem was because I'd like to visit it. Well, it's kind of like it's, it's like up the road. It occupies a pocket dimension. Yeah, there's no place that it's pretty developed over there. Right. Well, that's it, it's it's probably like a Kmart or something. When you drive by, it's a Walmart and, you know, secretly it's Dr. Fate's Tower. And it's like, you know, the team type that. superhero architects are kind of stupid. <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't think this is actually very structurally sound, but I think our headquarters should be a giant T. In the yeah. middle of the city. In the middle of the water. Right. Hey, how are we going to find Teen Titans headquarters? I don't know, man. I don't know. Robin, didn't Robin, didn't Robin that, learn that shit? Beast Boy coming, coming back home on a, from a bender. Fuck, man. Is it the third right or the second right to get to the T? <laughs> So yeah, the spectre. I, I gotta tell my Uber driver something, right? So right. this master plan, which is which is fucking brilliant, uh, ends up destroying all the universes but one, and the antimatter universe. So now we kind of have like two universes. Uh, the rest, everything else, just ceases to be because that's what the universe that. Uh, Correct. Corona, yeah, Corona created when he looked and saw the battle, uh, and so we get the, another issue where Kal El Earth Two is coming to terms with the fact that he no longer exists. Now, I think they missed a huge opportunity here. Mm-hmm. So, because one of the the big what if scenarios has always been, what if Superman turns evil. Right. 
you had in Brightburn, but kind of, that was lame. Right. They missed the opportunity of having Earth 2 Superman flip out and go apeshit crazy mm-hmm. and having to like, have, you have to take down a Superman as well. Right. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the emotional range of people trying to like, you know, battle someone who not only is like Superman, <laughs> right. every power imaginable, but they knew and fought alongside with for so many years and right. knew who he was. They looked up to, yeah, the, that particular incarnation of Superman um, That's being like, kind yeah. of the elder statesman of superheroes going yeah. off the deep end. You know, they play with shit like that in The Boys and in Martial Law. Uh, but, you know, those characters were like assholes from the from jump, right? This right. wasn't like someone who was a good person who like, just flipped out. Right. And they, they really could have... I think they could have like gone so far with that. It would have been a much better way to wrap all this up than what they ended up doing. Right, right. And because and Earth won because, Superman over the course. God damn, of- you've already fought the Monitor twice. You don't need to do it again. Right. He's not fucking Freddy Krueger. Let's right. have a consequence of this battle. Right. That isn't that isn't just um, all these characters are now. Um, in the same dimension, some of them, their histories have been erased mm-hmm. and they don't have that, you know, that sense of belonging. You could have had like the most powerful one of them snap. And that's how they end it is they have to take down Superman from Earth too. Right, right, right. Which they kind of do in the sequel, Infinite Crisis. Right? It, becomes part, it becomes part of the plot line, that sort of idea. But yeah, I mean, the Superman, the main continuity Superman at that time, the Earth One Superman, actually defers to Earth Two's opinions and advice, and almost seems like a father figure to Earth One to to him. Yeah. Uh, and that right there would have been a big emotional range of guys like Earth One Superman, Jay Garrick, you know, Alan Scott, all these guys having to come together to fight this dude. That uh, they've known to be the best of them for so long, right. and this is before Batman has his contingency plan for for right. everyone, right? So it would be a challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. This this is before like the whole Babel story arc, Tower of Babel. Yeah. So, but yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, they probably figured, oh, well, they could just get Kryptonite, but you know, you make it a point to not have Kryptonite, right? Right. Nobody Kryptonite doesn't show up once in nope. this storyline. And this is nope. this is a twelve issue main story. And Kryptonite with, with tons of Superman. Right. And Kryptonite. And Supergirl and Power Girl and Superboy. Right. Superman and Superman and Supergirl and Power Girl and Superboy and and uh, you know, Monel in the future. And, you know, so, yeah, you have all these fucking Kryptonians. It's like a Kryptonian fest. Kryptonapalooza. Uh, So, yeah, that happens. You have these brief existential crisis with these characters. um, And you almost get the whole Earth 2 Superman freak out. But Earth 1 Superman flies off and is able to talk him out of it in a panic. Toss him down. Don't eat the brown acid, Kal-El. 
Right. You are my friend. We'll get you through this. We'll come up with something. And they say, you know, and he only has this crisis because uh, Jay Garrick, who gets, he was one of the fortunate ones to be completely integrated into Earth One. is like, you've always lived in here. You've always lived here. You know, the Flash has been around for a long time. Yeah. So what ends up happening, the reason all this happens is all the heroes that went to the beginning of time remember their their past. Mm-hmm. Anyone who didn't, the villains, wives, whatever, don't. And they remember the past as it um, gets reintegrated into one universe. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, duplicates are not kept. <laughs> so two Kal-El's, the Earth one Kal-El's, the one that matters. Right. Uh, but Earth two Kal-El... Uh, actually, he he gets a, a kind of decent end of the stick because he still exists. Uh, Batman comes in as they're all trying to figure out exactly what's transpired because, you know, the Spectre, the last thing they remember is the Spectre is fighting the Monitor. Everything explodes and they wake up the next morning and they're like going to work and shit like they're living out their normal lives. Right. Um, Batman comes in later. He's pieced out that you know, the, all of the existing universes have merged into a single universe, and he's been uh, working. He was working with Alexander Luthor at the time. Yeah, and he pretty much brings everybody up to speed that there's only one universe now, and a lot of duplicates and copies of different uh, people throughout. Right. There was no Earth Two Batman. Right, the entirety of the Earth Two uh, Bat family is gone. Well, except for the ones that went to the beginning of time. Right. Like Dick Grayson. Mm, older Helena, Dick Grayson. Helena Wayne. Right. Right. And, right, because there's a storyline where Dick Grayson and Helena Wayne, you know, meet up at Wayne Manor and realize that it's not the same Wayne Manor. Yeah, and their their lives are, like, the same as Superman. They're just there, but they have, they remember their past, but it never existed. Right. That is taken care of easily by executing both of them by having a uh, building fall on them. Right. Redundancy will not happen. It's like that Futurama episode. Right, right. And all the other Batman Batman villains just disappear. Yeah, there's only one Joker. Kind of until fucking Jeff Jones. Right. (laughs) Or Scott Snyder decides, oh, let's have three of them. Right. Anyway, that I digress. Um, so that's that's and that's also how they fix their continuity, right? <laughs> they just randomly kill off redundant characters, right? They and they reset. They basically you know, reset the world to a point, and this was this was like a hard reboot. Yeah, this was this wasn't like a course correction, like like a time crisis. Mm. Or, or even like Infinite Crisis, which were like little, little course corrections. Right. This was like everything. Right. The the next big reboot was um, uh, Flashpoint. Right. Big the bit next big reset. Well, yeah. yeah, was Flashpoint. Yeah, everything, all the other crisis events uh, that occurred after Crisis on Infinite Earths were just yeah, like you said, little soft tweaks here and there. Adjusting right. this so to now, continue this plot. Everything 
Uh, you can, you, that's basically the end. You, you know what happens. Mon- There's one more fight with the monitor. Yay. Right. And, and Kal-El of Earth 2, like, I feel like I, does his, like, world of car- cardboard moment and unleashes right. on... And you're like, damn, man, his power, like, his power creep went way up over the course of the <laughs> right. series. And then he and uh, Superboy and Pariah, or not Pariah, yeah, Pariah. No, no Alexander Luther and uh, Lois Lane, who has magically been saved inside of Alexander That's Luther. Sorry. That's gross. I've um, had her inside <laughs> me the entire time. It's like, I couldn't let her die. Like, Ew. <laughs> right. I don't really want to be married to her anymore now. Thank you. Um, He's like, uh, uh, thank you, Adam Warlock. <laughs> wow. More Warlock than Warlock. But yeah. uh, he creates a pocket dimension so they can all go live in their little paradise. The events of this, not only did they reboot the DC Universe, for better or worse, but um, the Anti-Monitor ends up being a huge um, reoccurring source of villainy. Mm-hmm. Um, not himself, per se, but um, Blackest Night was all predicated on um, creating a, a using the Anti-Monitor as a power source. Mm-hmm. The, the dead corpse of the Anti-Monitor becomes a power source for the Black Lantern Corps. Um, you know, Infinite Crisis um, kind of takes a look at what happens if uh, Superman 2 does go batshit crazy. Right, right. Well, kind of. Well, that's Superboy Prime, but... Right. Um, Same basic thing, though. Yeah. It'd be cooler if it was Superman, but... Um, you know, and so, like, every, like, huge event, stems either from the plot of this or just from the design of it. Mm-hmm. And not only, you know, that design isn't only used um, in DC, that Marvel, you know, used, used the shit out of it. Right. Secret Wars, Secret Wars 2. What was I mean, what had more or less like the same kind of structure. Yep. Same, a lot of the same plot beats. Yep. Uh, fucking uh, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's it's big, it's 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 a big, huge, sprawling mess, but it kind of works. Mm-hmm. It kind of works. Uh, it is definitely, I would say, it's one of the seminal story arcs of DC. Yeah, I mean, it's confusing as shit. Um, it's not something you can just like pick up and and leaf through. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to pay attention. Right. Right. And if you're really a completionist, you have to go through and read all those side stories because over the course, it was getting a little ungainly with the main characters. As seen in, in DC Presents, number 87. Right. And they they had to spin these, these, these storylines that are like almost uh, organically being created by the events of Crisis. They say, okay, like the Teen Titans... They got the entire team out of the fucking crisis. Just by, yeah. you know, like, something happened on Tamarand. And, right. And so, okay, well, you want to find out what happens with that, you got to pick up on that Teen Titans issue. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, you know, weren't stupid about, you know, 
getting the getting the hooks out there, plot right. hooks right. for you to follow. And there's a few in there that you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I think I, I might check that out. Right. And it and it reconfigured a lot of the a lot of the books, uh, a lot of the remaining uh, Justice Society members joined the Justice League. Uh, yep. Jay Garrick retired for a while. Uh, Wally have... West takes up the mantle of the Flash. Mm-hmm. And he was a fantastic Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Jonah Hex reboot was spawned off out of this, where Jonah Hex gets Yay. sent to the far future. Yay. Yeah, and then they sent him back to the past. Well, and and you also had the chance for a lot of, of DC legacy heroes to start cropping up mm-hmm. and replacing uh, the older... Uh, Silver Age heroes. Right. So, you know, you had Hal Jordan was already retired when this happened. Right. So you had the main Green Lantern being uh, John Stewart and then Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner, you know, he becomes like super secret agent Green Lantern for the for the hidden cabal of of weird guardians. Right. So, so not only did it do like this company-wide crossover to kind of thin down the universe a little bit, it set up a lot of storylines for other books going forward. Yep. So, yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a neat thing. It, it, go ahead. Didn't Ollie die in this? Uh, Golden Age Ollie. Was it Golden? All right, it was only Golden Age Ollie. Yeah, it was because for a while it was clean shaven Ollie. For a while. Um, after this, you had no Ollie. Mm-hmm. Ollie had died, unless he died like early on. Um, I know. Well, there... Ollie had died, and um, you had Roy Harper, mm-hmm. right? Was Arsenal, and I don't know who, I, who was the second Speedy, because he was also in the Titans. There was a Speedy in the Titans talking with Cyborg. That was Roy Harper. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I'm talking in continuity later who took over for Green Arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver Queen of Earth One was not present in which was Sir not appearing in this film. Yes. I wonder if he was already dead. He might have been. Might have been because Canary wasn't in it either. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you had a lot of stuff spin out of this legacy heroes coming back so you would flash three and uh that sort of thing happening your boy the blue devil has a oh um, yeah the blue devil's up in there i'm like flipping through it just to see if i can see ollie's face but um you know you had like the resurgence of of the marvels spun out of this they had like a certain amount of success in the 80s, Captain Marvel ended up being in the JSA. Yep, the Marvel family. If if Kid Marvel, Marvel Baby, and Marvel Fetus show up, I'm quit. Yeah. It's because like, Uncle Dudley. Right. Who has no powers. Right. I got Uncle Marvel. in a red suit, and they used to, like, cover for him. Right, like if you, in in the old Captain Marvel comics, mm-hmm. like he would like dress up and think he had powers, but he didn't, so they'd all like cover for him. Right, and you had uh, Ray Palmer. They, they basically gaslit their uncle to think he had superpowers. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, a lot of thing was is like you had characters who were unfamiliar with other characters. Like Superman knows all the versions of Superman. 
you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have like the Adam, like, okay, I'm going to cut your mask off. I don't know why the justice league wants a fucking kid. He's like, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say it's worth reading. Yeah, definitely worth reading. It's definitely a piece of comics history. Yeah, if you have DC Universe Online, it's there. Right. And you can and the plus of that is you can also track down all the ancillary stuff if you right. really want to. Right. You can read the core story or you can read the full story, which yeah. has all of the side arcs that go off uh and the shit that leads up to Crisis. Uh so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Crisis oh, on more, oh, I'm sorry, one ahead. more thing. Dark side. Oh yeah. I look at Darkseid, just the way he's drawn. I like George Perez. Mm-hmm. I like the way he, he... I love his run on Avengers. I love the stuff he does with Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. But man, that guy can't draw Darkseid. <laughs> he looks like... He just looks so... I don't know. He, he just doesn't look menacing. He, 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 looks like, like a, he looks like a turd in a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, the only person who should be allowed to draw Dark Side is fucking Kirby. <laughs> right. That's all I wanted to say. Like the art of this is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. This is like iconic versions of the superheroes you know and love, mm-hmm. except for Dark Side. Except for Dark Side. Dark Side was a little weak, but he's only there for a little bit. So, and, and you know, since you brought up Dark Side, and we're we're almost an hour and a half into this. Um, yeah. Darkseid's master plan. <laughs> I will help you because it furthers my, my own agenda. Right. But make no mistake. Once we are done, the next time you see me, I shall be your enemy. Right. Right. And I mean, he, is a, he has a special. <laughs> right. He has a special machine that enables him to look through Alexander Luthor's eyes. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and, um, yes, this machine will emit an energy blast out of those eyes. Um, kind of cool if it was the Omega effect, it, yeah. but it wasn't. That, yeah, that would be cool, but it's just like straight blue beams. But he was almost like sitting there with uh, Rip Hunter and Adam Strange and Atomic Knight and you know these kind of... I, I kind of like Adam Strange as a character, but the, the rest of them are kind of like bullshit characters. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of made him um, like like a Blomfeld from Bond. Yeah. like a He Blomfeld. was definitely more like a brooding like mastermind stroking his cat as opposed to like Darkseid. Right. You, know, you, you see Darkseid and he's just standing there and you're like, fuck, that's Darkseid. Here it was just kind of like, oh, who's this Doofus in a football oh, helmet. and it was Brainiac. He's like, I'm going to take you to the one person in the world who could actually do something about this. Yes. <laughs> I guess Brainiac would know. Right. He has noticed us. Good. <laughs> and then it, his entire master plan is to weaken the Anity Monitor with a blast out of uh, out of uh, Alexander Luthor's eyes, and his plan is just like to hold up one finger. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> This must occur at precisely the right time. Wait. Aren't we going to do anything? Aren't we going to do anything? What kind of power do you got that you can do anything? Wait. <laughs> One of them is patience, you fuck. 
All right, so that wraps it up for Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yes, this is an epic-length episode for an epic-length story. If you have DC Universe uh, online service, you can check this out. Otherwise, there are trade paperback copies uh, available. Yeah, and and, and of course, comes to worse, you can just keep 30 luck points. Right, and keep 30 luck points, and the anti-monitor won't get you. So, good night, everybody. Good night.